Hey, this is Matt McCool here, one of the lead pastors at Takeover Church, and we are so excited that you are listening to this message today. We hope it encourages you. We hope it blesses you. We hope it challenges you to continue on in this journey of faith of following Jesus. And we want to let you know we also have services every single Sunday at 5 p.m., complete with Takeover Kids and a free cafe. It's a good time. We want to invite you and your friends and your family all on out on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Thanks again for listening to this message. Hope you have a great day. So tonight, before we go any further, I just want to get right into it. Does that sound good? Fantastic. This is canceled. Someone say canceled. Canceled. Week two. And uh, I'm really excited about this. Last week, I thought it was all time. I thought it was such a great uh, service. I thought everything was just fantastic. And I had such a good time preaching the word. And, and uh, I'm not one of those people to, we're not going to brag and we're not going to do those things. But um, there was a lot of really great feedback last week from a lot of freedom and a lot of life that was experienced and changed last week. And so I am incredibly grateful to have the honor to c- continue preaching this message series. So tonight, um, if you're not taking notes, take notes, and uh, we're going to get into it. Does that sound good? Okay, so week one, we preached a message called Own It. Um, you can't find it online because the, the devil box called the recorder didn't work, and it was fantastic. So this week, though, everything is firing off, and it's going to be good, so we'll get it. But again, if you're taking notes, the title of this message is That You May. That You May. And Cancelled is really just a series that's a commentary on the world and the culture at large where things are at today because it's weird. We live in a day and a time where it's really fun to dig out people's closets and pull out the skeletons and to wave it in their face and say, shame on you and our culture and our world today. It absolutely loves to cancel people, but we have a God who loves you enough and I enough and the people outside of these walls enough to not cancel people because of the wrongdoing. Instead, he cancels parts of people. And how many of you know with God's cancellation always comes God's redemption? Amen. And so that's kind of what we preached on last week, and that's kind of the theme of the series. And so tonight, the title of my message is That You May. And then we're going to get into the Word. Does that sound good? Mm. It's so funny that we're continuing on uh, with, this, with this big idea of canceled, um, because we're going we're to be visiting the book of Corinthians a lot. Uh, it's going to be really good. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 tonight. And if you don't have a Bible, we have a bunch out at the Welcome Center, but it's also going to be up here on the big Bible. Everybody say, hi, Sky Bible. He has feelings. He gets ignored a lot, okay? Just kidding. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27, coming at you hot. Here it is. Do you not know, geez, Paul, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive perishable wreath, but we, and imperishable, as in Christians, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, one that will die, that will wither, that will go away, but we, an imperishable wreath. So verse 26, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. Sound good? Awesome. Jesus, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for going to the cross. I thank you for giving us a reason to live, a purpose, and a function, God. I thank you that you have plans for us, God, not to harm us, but to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future, God. And we just thank you, Jesus, that as the word goes forth, God, we know that your word says that your word is a double-edged sword able to pierce, God. 
And so we're asking tonight for every single one of us, myself included, God, pierce what needs to be pierced, God. Remove what needs to be removed, God. Change what needs to be changed, God. We're laying ourselves out across the table tonight, Jesus, to be opened up, to be renewed, and to be changed. Because we want to be more fruitful. We want to see God's best in our lives. We want to see God's best in this city. We want to see God's best in our neighbors and our enemies, God. So please, in this moment, change us from the inside out. And God's mighty church said, I said, God's mighty church said, come on, baby. All right, that you may. Man, I am so excited about this message. And it's so funny that we're going to keep coming out of 1 Corinthians right now because we kind of talked about it a little bit last week, but Corinthians was buck wild, okay? Like, it's 2019. You hear about it all the time. There are pastors doing this. Churches falling apart because of this. This thing's happening. If you go online, you can Google it. There's, like, message boards about mega church exploitation, and there's all of these things. And, and it's what the world is, is deeming corrupt, and the world is saying this falls short of what Christianity should be, and all of these things. And then there's actually the Church of Corinth, which is like, I think if the world and the culture was to open up the Bible and see what the early church was getting itself into sometimes, and some of the churches that got started on the early church, they would be like, whoa, hold up. This is front page news. This is, this is the gossip column. This is for slander. This is crazy because Corinthians was gnarly. Corinthians was disgusting. Corinthians was getting into some, some things that isn't even mentionable in here. In fact, there's a scripture that says, Paul says, and the unmentionable things. Like, Corinthians was messed up, jacked up, screwed up. It was a messed up place. But it was a place that Paul knew could be redeemed. It was a place that Paul saw the good soil in, that there was a chance for God's best to still come about through Corinthians. There's a whole reason Corinthians is in the Bible. is it so that we can go, oh my gosh, these heathens, and we can be like, what are you doing, you idiots? Like, it's not in there so that we can shame and sin shame them for what they did. It's in there so that you would know that the church can still be redeemed, that Christians can still come back, that there is still a hope and a future for us no matter what we've done or gotten ourselves into. And so here is Paul, and he's writing to the church of Corinth, and he's pleading with them. We talked about it last week. He's pleading with them. He's not angry at them. He's not kicking down the door. He's not sending just the most vicious hate mail of all time. He is pleading with them with the heart of Jesus, saying, you have to change. If you are going to be owned by Jesus, you have got to live like you were owned by Jesus. If you are going to be the home for the Holy Spirit, you can no longer be in charge of your life. You cannot lead it. You cannot operate it. You have got to give it all to God because that's what he purchased. It was not a part-time lease. It was not with this hours and this time of the week. It was all of it, 24-7, 365, 364 on leap year. I don't, yep, I knew that was wrong. It's part of the joke. Thank you. It was a joke, so I'm going to claim it. It's on the podcast, so it's, fic- it's fact. <laughs> but here's Paul, and he's writing again, and he is saying to the church, and he's saying the same thing to you and I tonight. He is saying to the church, do you not know that you are in a race? And it's a sentiment that I want to echo tonight in this room. I want to echo it in our hearts and in our souls. And I want us to get this vibration on the inside of us tonight. I want us to get this tingling on the inside of us tonight. This sensation on the inside of us tonight that screams, that grabs all of our attention. That we are in a race. 
I want to challenge Takeover Church tonight that we are in a race. We are in a race for something eternal, for a prize that is with God, that is something that only he can provide, that is imperishable tonight. We are in a race. And with that race, we are also in a fight. As Paul says, I do not box with the wind. Instead, I discipline my body. I train my body. I make every effort to control myself by the Holy Spirit because I am in a race. And then he says that I may not be disqualified. I am in a race. You and me tonight, 2019, right now. It doesn't matter if you're old and you've been in churches for your entire life. It doesn't matter if you're young and you've been in church your entire life. It doesn't matter if you got saved last service, last week. It doesn't matter. You are in a race. And that race is for eternity. And that race is for your soul. Would you just begin to contemplate for just a moment? This isn't in my notes, but I feel it right now. Would you just begin for a moment to contemplate the weight and the value of the human soul? If all of heaven wants it, and all of hell wants to kill it, it's got to be worthy. It's got to be worth something. It's got to be valuable. It's got to be worth running your race well. Amen? So here's Paul, and he is preaching, and he is pleading, and he is writing, and he is saying, you are in a race. In this race, there's eternity. There's earth, there's here, and there's later, and there's now, and there's later, and there is what is and what is to come. That is the race at which we are leading. And God says, he says, there is nothing on his side of this relationship. He is saying, no height, no depth, no bad, no good, no power, no darkness, no nothing that can separate you from the love of God on God's side of the relationship. But how many of you know on our side of the relationship, there's a lot of things that can disqualify us from our purpose. There's a lot of things that can take away by our own omission, by our own actions, by our own inactions, by our own disobedience, by our own ideas and notions and thoughts. There are things on our side when God's going, no, we're good. I promise you, I am your Lord and I am your Savior. You and I, we are good. Come on, dude, you can do it. Come on, girl, you've got it. And then there's moments on our side of this relationship, but the enemy wants to put a knife between your ribcage and he wants to end you there. And he wants to end your marriage and he wants to end your purpose and he wants to take you out of this game because he knows if you keep running and you keep being faithful and you keep showing up and you keep going the distance and you keep fighting with everything on the inside of you in this fight, he knows that if you're going to keep winning, he is going to keep losing. So he wants to take you out in the early rounds, in the early laps. And I want us to be a church that we would obtain that prize, that we would win, that we would see all of God's victory, that victorious prize that he has for us. I want us to be a church. I want you to be a Christian. I want to be a Christian that runs their race well, that receives the prize at the end of it. I want to hear what you want to hear. We all want to hear this. God says it at the end of our life when we come home. We want to hear it rang out. Well done, good and faithful servant. Is there anybody in here tonight that wants to hear it? Come on. So we got some things to do. If we want to hear that tonight, there are some things that we have to understand. 
in this race, it is easy to get distracted. It is easy to get distracted. Here's the devil. He's a crafty little guy, isn't he? He's a crafty little guy. If he can get you distracted, here's the thing. He doesn't go with the big sin. He never does, okay? If he can get you distracted, if he can get you defeated, that's awesome. But his goal isn't immediate evisceration, isn't immediate eradication. His goal isn't to immediately just take you out of the game like that because he knows you're too smart. He knows your relationship with Jesus goes too deep. He knows the plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in a future. He knows the Bible more than you do. He knows. And so what he does is he studies you, and he watches you, and he takes his time with it. And it's, and it's paper cut by paper cut by paper cut. And the next thing you know, it is death by a thousand cuts. Isn't it funny how when the devil decides to end a marriage, he doesn't just throw a woman in some guy's lap. Instead, it starts with a compliment and a flirtatious exchange at work because it's not happening at home. Isn't it funny how young women don't plan in the church to go and they, and they dedicate their lives to Jesus and they don't just plan to go into marriage without virginity and purity and all these things and premarital sex just suddenly happens or they just fall into somebody, right? It just happened. We say it all the time. No, 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 no. Maybe it starts and it begins and develops and the devil gets your insecurity, your need to feel approved by your peers. And the next thing you know is that approval from a young guy, from a popular guy, from a, from a good-looking person, from a good-looking girl, from whatever it is. And the next thing you know is moment by moment, paper cut by paper cut, cut by cut, death by a thousand cuts. The devil understands you, and he watches, and he stalks, and he makes a battle plan, and he gets his demonic, and he goes after you. This is the plan of the enemy. Because in this race and in this fight, if he can distract you, he knows he can get you disillusioned. If he can distract you, he can defeat you. And if he can distract you, he can get you living in perpetual disillusionment when you are just fighting to defend instead of moving forward in offense. This is his plan. This is his tactic. He doesn't need to kill you. He can distract you. He doesn't need to take you out of the game. He can get you disillusioned with the game. Here's the thing about disillusionment. When you get disillusioned with following Jesus, your hands go down. You quit, quit, you quit caring about the finish line. If, you can get, if he can get you disillusioned with the entire race, if he can get you questioning, why am I still going there? Why am I still holding on? Why are those still my virtues? Why are those the promises I'm still believing? I'm not seeing the fruit in this marriage. I'm not seeing the fruit in this relationship. I'm not seeing the fruit in tithing. I'm not seeing the fruit in giving, in giving up and giving in and coming to the church every single week. I'm not seeing the fruit in my life, in my relationships. I'm not seeing the change. I feel like I'm promised to do, and if he can get you distracted, with I'm not, and I'm this, and this isn't happening, and this isn't showing up. If he can do that time and time again, if he can get you disillusioned with the race, he can dislocate you in the body. Yeah. 
He doesn't need to kill you to defeat you. He can get you feeling dislocated. Anybody ever had a dislocated appendage in the house? I have many a times. Dislocated big toe? You ain't walking with that. You certainly ain't running with that. Dislocated big toe? You're going to be out here like this. Nah, it's my swagger. <laughs> As you're out here doing this number, what is even going on? I remember one time I dislocated my knee. You probably didn't even know that was possible. You can dislocate your kneecap, and it sucks. It's the absolute worst thing to ever happen. It's hard to come back from. It will tear your meniscus. It will blow out your ACL. It will take you out the game. How many of you know if you're out here running the race and the devil's able to dislocate your kneecap, you ain't running very well. You ain't getting very far. You certainly ain't going the distance or the pace of what the Holy Spirit would like you to do. You are held way back. And forget shadow boxing. Forget boxing the wind, as Paul says, in the fight for your life, in the fight for your eternity, in the fight for your prize. If he can get you a dislocated arm, you ain't swinging at nothing. This ain't going nowhere. You are fighting, and guess what? What happens if you're dislocated? You're distracted because he's firing off shots, and all you're trying to do is block with your one good hand, but you can't fight back because you're dislocated. Because you're distracted. And the next thing you know, if you can't have use of your arm and you can't fight back, all you're doing is living in the perpetual defense but never moving forward in your offense because you're a Christian and you only go forward. But if he can get you maintaining like this, all you're doing is attempting, not even, not even being successful. You are attempting to block shots as they come through. But the next thing that happens when you're dislocated, you're not even a defeated Christian. You're just a dislocated Christian. As the next thing you know is your, your vision is obstruction, uh, obstructed. Your sight is obstructed because you've been trying to block shots, but you're taking so many to your face that you can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel no more. You can't even see the promises of God on the horizon no more. Your ears are so boxed in from the shots you've been taking, you can't even hear your friends in the church who are trying to encourage you to stay in your marriage, trying to encourage you to stay in the fight, trying to encourage you to keep going. You can't hear them because it's white noise to you because you are distracted in the fight that you're in because you are dislocated. I'm not preaching to anybody tonight. He says that you are running a race. And you are in a fight. And I love that Paul compares it to that. I do believe Paul is probably the guy who's been in a lot of fights in his life. And I, I recognize that very well. And he's a man. And he's saying we're in a fight. And the devil has one goal. His chief concern in this life, it is not to defeat you. He comes to steal, to kill, and destroy you. But two out of three of those look like distraction. They look at disillusionment, and they look like you're dislocated. Because what happens when you dislocate your arm? Your grip loosens. Your resolve loosens. Your grip grows weaker. Your resolve grows weaker. Your ability to hold on, your desire to hold on grows weaker by the moment because you're feeling nothing when you do this. Your arm might be looking like it's holding on to the edge that you're calling life right now, this edge season that you find yourself in. You're just barely holding on. But if he's got you dislocated, your grip, that ain't staying. My marriage is on the edge, yep. And you've allowed yourself to be dislocated. I'm fighting for my kid, yep. But you've allowed yourself to be dislocated. 
You're fighting for your life right now. You're fighting depression. You're fighting suicidal thoughts. You're fighting your mind right now. You're fighting to remain pure. Your grip is loosening when he's got you dislocated. And you know the other thing about a dislocated body or a dislocated Christian is that dislocated still has the appearance of being attached to the body. Still has the appearance of being attached to the body. It's weird. Because you'd assume he would just rather rip off your arm and leave you armless. No, 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 no. Because when he comes for you, he's not just coming for you. He's coming for everything that you're going to do, everything that your life is about, everybody who's watching you. When he comes for you, he would rather leave the arm attached to the body instead of take it away. He would rather leave it dangling and dislocated. He'd rather leave you in the body of Christ dangling and dislocated because he knows that there's Christians coming up behind you, that there's people who have been watching your life. There's people who are lost right now, but they see you attached to the body still. Just because you've gone limp doesn't mean that you don't look like you're attached to the body. And they decide that they want to be attached to that. And the next thing you know, you're not just this dislocated Christian who's still attached to the body. You're now a speed bump. You're now a roadblock. You're now a fault in the street. You're now a crack in the cement. You are now this chasm in between somebody in, in meeting Jesus and somebody meeting Jesus and being everything they can be in Jesus. This is a heavy message. But it's one I think we need to get on the inside of us. It's an idea. It's a resolve. It's a revelation that I believe we need to get because this is his chief concern for every single one of us. If we're going to talk about cancellation, if we're going to talk about these areas that God wants to have us free from, if we're going to talk about these things, we've got to understand the very real ramifications that come from the pits of hell where we decide to step back into that old programming. He sets you free. God, let me, let me put it this way. God didn't make you alive just to leave you limp. God didn't make you alive again just to leave you dislocated. God didn't bring you back to life just so that people could come up alongside you and see you on this race and that you would be a speed bump for them and their destiny and their calling and what God has laid them out for. Friends, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are an ear. You are a leg. You are an arm. You are a mind. You are a lung. You are these things. You are called the body of Christ. If you belong to Jesus today, you are the bride of Christ. You are a part of the body of Christ. You are his church. And if you're as church, you, your own individual life, you have a function, you have a purpose, you have a call, you have things that God puts you on this earth explicitly for you to do. But the devil knows if he can get you disillusioned with Christianity, disillusioned with the race that you're running, he can leave you dislocated in the greater scheme of things called the body of Christ. And when he's got you dislocated, the people who are watching you, well, guess what? They're, running how to, they're learning how to run this race with somebody with a limp. They're learning how to fight this fight with somebody who has a dislocated arm. They're learning how to fight with somebody who can't even see the promises of God. They're learning to fight from somebody. They're getting patterns and foot, foot patterns and punching patterns and all of these things that go into a fight. They are learning from somebody who is disillusioned and dislocated and distracted. Guess what their patterns are going to be? Disillusioned and distracted. 
and dislocated. When we allow the devil to get us into that place, he doesn't have to defeat us. He gets us right where we are. Disillusioned with what God has for us. And then everybody else that comes up behind us and comes up underneath us and that we interact with, they learn. And they drink from a tainted well. This is the plan. And this is heavy. And I'm in here tonight and I'm pleading with you right now to not be distracted. The enemy has already been defeated. It is already finished. It is already done. He just is able to get you distracted. He's just able to get you disillusioned. He's just able to get your grip to loosen from what God has for your life. He's able to get your resolve to loosen for your purity and for your call and to get you to give up on your marriage too soon. Can I tell you tonight that there is never a season to quit? There's a season to war, and there's a season to fight, and there are seasons to give, and there are seasons to receive, and there are seasons to sow, and there are seasons to reap, but there is never a season for you to quit. And there's never a season for you to doubt, and there's never a season for you to give up the resolve because devil, he is beneath you, and God, he is before you. This is his plan. And we get together and we talk about this in church because then when you go outside there and you live your life, you are able to see the ploy of the devil for what it is and for who he is and what the lies actually are. And you're able to get the blinders off and you're able to put your arm back in the socket and you're able to start running this race well. Amen. Is there anybody in here tonight that wants to run this race well? This is what he wants to do. And so here's Paul saying, run your race well. God did not make you alive just to simply leave you limp. There is more for you than your current situation, than your current circumstances, than your current season that you find yourself in. There is more with God. But if we are ever going to attain this thing, then we've got to do it God's way. The reason I titled this message tonight, That We May, is because I want to believe tonight that we are going to be a church that is going to fight like heaven, and we are going to run like Jesus, that we may obtain the victorious prize for us at the end of this. That we may obtain the cheers from heaven as we run this race well. Hebrews says that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses watching what God does in your life, watching what he does through you, watching all the things that you accomplish, watching you live out your purpose, and they are cheering you on and I want to see us win I don't believe in a defeated church and I definitely don't believe in a defeated Christian tonight if you're in this place and you are feeling defeated friend you are not defeated that's a distraction your feeling of defeat is a distraction if you are feeling like you're not going forward, that might be true, but I would ask you, are you feeling a little disillusioned with your faith? What is getting your attention? What battles are you fighting that aren't even yours to fight? You see, when we get disillusioned, when we get dislocated, we start dipping back into that old programming. But God is saying, hey, 
this fight that we're in, I'm in your corner. You are oversized, and you are overweight, and the devil is undersized, and he is underweight, and this is a catch fight where God makes the rules, and you get to enter in at whatever weight he says you can, and it is a fixed fight, my friend. He has you. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and you are a heaven champion in this fight. God is in your corner. And he is cheering you on. And he has put everything on the inside of you to win this fight and be victorious in every single way. This is what he has for you. The fight is fixed. The devil has to lose. You're going to go 15 rounds with him, but it always ends with you winning. Because he's already defeated. You lose when you allow yourself to be distracted. You lose when you allow yourself to be disillusioned. You lose when you allow yourself to be dislocated in this fight. He is saying, I have gone before you. And I, as your pastor, I am in your corner too. And the reason I want to preach a message like this, the reason that we're doing a series called Canceled Like This, is because I don't want to be in your corner feeling like we need to throw in the towel for you. I want to be in the corner watching your footwork, watching those new patterns that God gave you so you don't have to dip back into old programming. There are new patterns available to you so that you don't have to live by your old programming. There are new ways to punch, and there is new footwork available to you to run this race. There are new things available to you in the person of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit so you can win this race, and you can win this fight, and you can obtain the victorious prize that God has for you. You all ready for another piece of scripture tonight? Colossians 1, 20 through 23. Y'all ready for this? And through him to reconcile himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue to be faithful, stable, and steadfast, not shifting from hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So friends, here's the practical part of tonight. How do we obtain it? You obtain it by reconciling it. You obtain it by reconciling it. That's a big thought, and I'm going to unpack it for you. You obtain the glory set before you, the victorious prize for you. You obtain it by reconciling it. Now, obtaining it and reconciling it are two different it's. I'm going to break it down for you, okay? But you will receive it when you reconcile it. You see, friends, in this, in this message, Paul is preaching to the, the church in Colossians, actually, not Corinthians this time, and he is saying, through him to reconcile to himself all things. Where Christians get this messed up is we think all things, like Jesus, he said this too, I came into this world to re reconcile the world back onto myself. When we hear this, we get too big with it. We, got, we started doing broad strokes with the word all and big and world and things. And we started broad stroking these things. And we go, yeah, 
He came to set the moon back in its proper position. He said he came here to set the earth to spin in the correct way and to reconcile the way the stars hang and to reconcile the way the atmosphere is in the ozone and to reconcile all the vegetation back to its proper place. And we started thinking about it and all these grand scale ideas and things. And yes, that's true. You wouldn't be incorrect to have those thoughts. When sin entered this world, all of it began to fall apart. The way our solar system operates, the way the world spins, the way the seasons come and the seasons go, the way these things happen, sin was never intended to be here on this plane or to be here inside of you. So yes, when it entered, it corrupted, and when it corrupted, it changed everything. So yes, when God says, I want to reconcile all things back onto himself, he does mean the planet. He does mean the solar system. He does mean Venus and Jupiter with all her rings. He loves those things, okay? He created them. That's part of it. But where we get messed up is we don't realize that reconciliation is for the little things. That reconciliation is for the animals. It's for the ants. It's for the mountain high and the valley lows. It's for the oceans. It's also for the Zacks. And it's also for the Jasmines. And it's also for the marriages. And it's also for the depression. And it's also for the anxiety. And it's also for the purity. And it's also for the little areas in our lives. You see, here's the thing about reconciliation. I don't think a lot of people don't understand what it means. We think it just means bringing it underneath the alignment of the Holy Spirit. That's partly it. That's partly it. Bringing it back into alignment, bringing you back into alignment is part of it, but it's not the total of it. Reconciliation and how we obtain the victorious prize set before us, reconciliation has so much more to do with mending brokenness and healing brokenness and closing the gap in between God and the brokenness than it does with just simply bringing it underneath the alignment. You see, here's the thing about reconciliation. My parents and I, we have a really rough relationship. We have a distant relationship. We have a hurt relationship. We have a broken relationship. But how we started to work on that and how we began to reconcile that was we started to close the distance between us. We started mending the hurt between us. We started to extend forgiveness where it was needed, and we started asking for forgiveness where it was needed. And as we did that, as we did that, we began to see the relationship mend. We began to see the relationship heal. We began to see our function as a family start to operate properly. And suddenly... My mother went back to being a mother instead of an enemy. And my father went back to being a father instead of an enemy. And I went back to being a son instead of an enemy when we began to decide to reconcile our relationship. And you see, it's the same thing with the church. And it's the same thing with you. God didn't just come so we could reconcile the stars and the earth and to bring all of these giant, unattainable, huge ideas back onto himself. He came to reconcile every single part of you back onto himself. 
all of Zach back onto himself, all of Josh back onto himself, all of Bob back onto himself, all of Annette back on to himself. Every area of you back on to himself. We will obtain redemption in our lives. He wants to redeem our marriages when we begin to reconcile them. He will redeem our purity when we begin to reconcile it. He will redeem our minds when we begin to reconcile it. And what do you mean, Matt? What's the big picture here? The big picture there is this, my friends. He will begin to reconcile it when we begin to mend that gap. Worship team, you can make your way back up here. For so many of us, the reason we don't have the redemption that we want, the reason we don't see the restoration in areas that we want, is that we haven't reconciled it with God yet. But you see, redemption comes when you reconcile it. There is a victorious prize that awaits every single one of us. There is victory in your marriage. There is victory in your purpose. There is victory in your mind. There is victory in your body. There is victory in your health. There is victory in your calling. There is victory in your workplace. There is victory in your depression. There is victory in your fear, in your worry, in your anxiety, in every single area of you. There is victory that awaits when you run your race well. And when you run your race well, you have allowed your life to be recognized reconciled back on to Christ. So what's that mean? Well, that means God wants to close the gap in his relationship with you. God wants to close the gap in his relationship with your sex life. God wants to close the gap in his relationship with your mind. God wants to close the gap in, your, in his relationship with your thoughts. He wants to close the gap in his relationship with your money. He wants to close the gap in his relationship with how you think. He wants to close the gap in his relationship with by the motives and actions that you have. He wants to close the gap in his relationship with your heart, in his relationship with your mind, in his relationship with your spirit, every single part of you. You need healing in your body. He wants to close the gap with his relationship with your body. He wants to close the gap. And so, friends, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. And if you could, would you just stand up with me? If I get everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads in this moment. There's nobody looking around. There's nobody distracting. We are honoring the people to our left and to our right. If you're in this place tonight and there's an area in your life that you haven't allowed God to close the gap with,
Because the thing about it, relationship is it begins to influence how you operate. The thing about relationship is it begins to influence how you live. The thing about relationship is it begins to dictate your yeses and your noes. So if there's an area in your life in this moment that you want to see redemption in, that God's redemption always must be on the backside of God's reconciliation. If you want to see an area in your life redeemed, made alive, no longer limp, but fully able to run this race set before you, if you've grown, if you've grown disillusioned, if you've become distracted, if you're realizing for the first time in a long time that your eyes have been in a fog, that you have been covered in a haze. That you've been swinging and missing a lot. That you've been limping and not getting very far. That you've been doing the best you could in your own strength, but it's high time that you start running this race well in God's strength, that that's you right now. And you need a Holy Spirit pick me up in this moment. Would you just slip your hand up just high enough and long enough? I see those hands. I didn't even have to get through the whole thing. Just hands up all over this place. You can put those hands right back down. Then I'm going to pray over you. And I'm going to pray all over this room. And if you're in this place right now and you would say, you've just been disillusioned with life and you didn't even have a relationship with Christ. And you want to make your life, you want to begin to have a relationship with Christ right now. This moment's for you. Would you just put your hand up high enough and long enough just so that I can see it and you can put it right back down. I mean, Jesus, I thank you for every single person in this room, every person under the sound of my voice right now, Holy Spirit. We're saying and we're committing to you right now that we're not done fighting that we're not done running. We are done wasting time, though, being distracted and not living life and life to the full the way that you've promised us to. So Holy Spirit, right now, we speak healing and restoration into areas in our lives, God, that have gone limp, that have been distracted, that have been fallen and stagnant and still, God. We speak new life into those lungs, God. And Holy Spirit, right now in this moment, we surrender it all to you, whatever it is, whatever has got us distracted. Whatever's been causing us to lose the fight. Whatever we've grown discontent with. Whatever we've grown disgruntled with. Whatever area we haven't been seeing fruit in life in God, we're believing for redemption right now. So whatever area it is that needs to be reconciled, back on to you, God. We hand it over to you right now. We're laying addictions down in this room right now. There's a Holy Spirit in here. You've been addicted. 
You've labeled it an addiction. You have put your hand in the chain, and you have said, this is just my affliction. If it's nicotine, if it's narcotics, if it's alcohol, whatever it is right now, it falls in the name of Jesus. There is no disqualification in this room. There is only those that God has said, you are approved, you are qualified. Everything you need to win this race is now on the inside of you. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said, if you believe it. I said, if you believe it. <laughs>